<laughs> and when I was doing legs, man, I, I just didn't think I had like the extra push. Right. And you kept sacking up the weights <laughs> and you're like, no, you got this. Like, yeah. Just keep doing it. And I did it. And you're like, see, you got it, right? Exactly. So for people that don't know, you were overweight at one point, mm -hmm. like extremely overweight. What motivated you to keep pushing and what inspired you to even lose the weight in the first place? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, first of all, you crushed it on legs. I gotta give you props. So that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, that's my favorite thing is to, you know, train with someone and kind of bring out the best in each other. So I, I'm glad that we had a chance to do that. Uh, but as far as like my weight, so my whole life growing up, I was always heavy. I was always like a big guy, a big kid. And by the time I was 13, I was almost 300 pounds already. I was 290 pounds at 13. And I just kept getting bigger. So I just got bigger and bigger. I grew taller, I, grew, I got heavier. And by the time I finished uh, high school, I was over 420 pounds. And I, at that point, you know, when you're that heavy, you feel like it's like a life sentence. Like that is it. And that you can never change because you feel like you're so far gone. And, you know, I had a lot of things in my life that kind of led me down that road with depression. And, uh, you know, my mom passed away when I was 14 and that really sent me into a spiral where food was like a drug. And wow. it just, you know, you can get food at any time. You can eat, you can feel that temporary kind of numbing of the pain and that, was what I did, that's how I dealt with that. And so it just kept getting worse and worse. And by the time I graduated high school, I was just really heavy and, and really unhealthy. And I thought that that was gonna just be how I am forever. And you know, when you're that heavy, you don't think about a long future because there's a lot of things that can happen Right? You could have a heart attack, you could get diabetes, you can just, you can't really expect to have this long, amazing life. And it's unfortunate that I was okay with that. So up until one night, um, I was driving home and someone hit me head on, a drunk driver. Wow. Yeah, and my airbag came out and saved me and we had just reconnected the airbag like a few hours before the crash. It was unplugged for like a week and my friend reconnected it and later that night someone hit me. So I'm like, okay, that's a sign. Wow, I mean, even even just don't ignore the airbag thing. Right. I mean, wow. Right, so if it weren't for that airbag, I don't know what would have happened. It would have been bad. Right. Just, you know, head on collision, so the car was totaled. I still was injured, but not to the extent of if I didn't have the airbag. And that night, it was a sign that I got to turn my life around. You know, I could not continue to just be not caring about my future and slowly killing myself. So I basically vowed that night to myself. I was like, I got to do something. And I really didn't know what to do. But the next day I woke up and I went for a walk with my little dog and we lived on a hill. So I went all the way down to the bottom, which was half a mile. And then I had to come back home. So yeah. it completes, you know, one mile. It took an hour. So 
think about one mile an hour. Like if you go on the treadmill, you put the treadmill on a 1.0, you're gonna be like, what the hell? I'm not even moving. But that was all I could do. Yeah. And it really, it just set like a fire in me to be determined to do that every day. No matter, you know, I was still banged up from the accident, mm -hmm. but I just told myself, okay, one hour every day, you're gonna walk with the dog. The dog loved it. You know, she was <laughs> she was living a lazy lifestyle before that. I wasn't really, you know, I'd walk her a little bit, but not a mile. And right. so eventually that hour, we were able to cover two miles and then three miles and four miles. And I started eating better. I stopped using the food as a drug. Mm. So once all that kind of started to come together, the weight came off pretty quickly, but it was more about what I was gaining of thinking about the future and not feeling trapped. So. Uh, go back to the, the weight, I mean, go back to the food and mm -hmm. using that as a coping mechanism. Yeah. I, for people that don't know about that, you know, like what, explain that, explain what food does for someone. For me, food was, Obviously, I liked food, right? Like growing up when I was just, I was just a heavy kid. Mm -hmm. So I liked food. And I remember, you know, some early memories of being a kid, like, oh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich time <laughs> at school. Like, I'm going to have one and then I'm going to go back around and I'm going to have another one. Yeah. Because they're not stopping me. And like, I didn't have that at home and it tastes good and feels good. Right. So yeah. I always remember food was like, it was something that comforted me. And that's even as just a little kid before, as far as I know, nothing had happened. No mm -hmm. trauma, nothing that really you know impacted me. And so I think once I dealt with some severe traumatic experiences as a young person, mm -hmm. I didn't have any other outlet or coping me mechanism that I knew that was familiar. So food was like the first thing that I went to. And it was like, you, when you're in that state, you use it to forget about the other feelings and to forget about the pain because while you're eating, and especially what, you know, the food that's out right now is different than the food from like when our grandparents were growing up and things yeah. like that, where it stimulates so much pleasure in your brain yeah. and it's so easy to overdo and it's so easy to get. So it's like the perfect storm, right? Right, right. You can just continue to kind of use the food to get that rush and to get that pleasure. And it becomes like a drug where you're just always chasing after feeling that good. Mm -hmm. The problem with food compared to any other thing is you have to eat, right? You have to at some point. Right. You don't have to shop. You don't have to gamble. Right. You don't have to smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol. But you gotta eat. Right. So it becomes this thing that's like, you're not as ashamed, I think. Although I do think there is a part of shame that, you know, eating in that kind of excess, when you are that heavy, people look at you and judge you. I dealt with a lot of bullying growing up because I was a big kid, and kids can be mean. I'm sure a lot of people who listen, you probably have experienced, you know, it's just yeah, yeah, kids can it's be part, it's part of, it's part of the process, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
no matter what. You know, they'll find something. They'll find something to, to talk smack about or to poke fun. Um, so yeah, I think the food, and I will say it also eventually led me into drugs, alcohol, things like that, to also kind of help to numb that pain because the food, I got so used to it. You know, you kind of build a tolerance almost. And after that accident, I just knew I had to turn it around, that I could not live that way. It was just slowly killing myself. And well, your change was the hitting rock bottom, mm -hmm. almost dying. Mm -hmm. When did the gym thing come around? So, you know, it's funny, the, the way I started with the gym was actually, it's a funny story, I went to Vegas because I would go every year with a bunch of car guys. I went to my first show while I was in the process of losing the weight when I was walking every day with my dog. And I'm like, I was a little bit scared because I'm like, I'm going to be in Vegas and I don't have my hill that I'm used to to walk my dog. What the hell am I going to do? And I'm like, all right, there's a hotel gym. Like I was still embarrassed. I was still, you know, I just, I didn't, feel like I knew what I was doing and I wasn't like in the shape that I wanted to be. I had come a long way. I had lost a lot of weight and I was like transformed already. But I was like, all right, my game plan is this. I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. None of my car buddies are going to be up, right? They're all partying while we're there. I'm going to just sneak into the gym at the hotel, do the elliptical or the treadmill or something that is not hard because I don't know I, I you said 5 a.m., so no one's there, I'm assuming. Right. Okay. So I didn't know how to lift weights or anything, yeah. but I, I go in. So I go in, 5 a.m., put on my little iPod shuffle. Those are old school, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I'm going, and like 5.30 rolls around, and a bunch of the dudes from the car group walk in. Mm. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I was mortified. And they were all like, oh, man, Jordan, like, you look amazing since the last time we saw you. Like, keep it up. Like, this is awesome. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I do deserve to be here too. You know, I mean, these guys were like in shape and they were lifting and they were getting after it, which I knew nothing about at the time. But they encouraged me and they welcomed me and we shared that space. And I saw what they were, I was like, I remember I saw one of my buddies, you know, hotel gyms, right? They max out usually 50 pound yeah, dumbbells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw him pick up the 50s and chest press them. And I was like, damn, that dude's a beast. Like, I didn't even know, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. when I got back, I went to the gym because my neighbor had just signed up. And he's like, oh, you got to check out, you know, LA Fitness. It's great. Okay, 30 bucks a month. So I, I went to a trainer. I said, look, I don't know anything. You're the expert. I want you to teach me because I want to do this. Like I, I said, I saw this guy pressing 50 pound dumbbells. Like, I want to be able to do that one day. How heavy were you at that time when you went to go do that? When I joined the gym, I had lost already most of the weight. I, I think I had lost almost 200 pounds by then. Okay, so you lost it by doing just walking, walking and what else? Running eventually, mm -hmm. uh, hiking, and that's it, like cardio. Your food was diet. the same? Well, the food was the big shift also. Yeah, yeah. that's just want to remind people about the food part. Yeah. Because people just think they can just grind and do all this, but it's like, no, right. no, 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 the food. So, so, oh, yeah. so you handled the food first. The food was... was Because that's hard. You, oh, yeah. You you loved eating, right? I love so, I still love eating. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's different, different, but it's different. So yeah. uh, explain that, that process 
yeah. from switching that mindset. So, and, and that was, that's arguably, I think, much harder than spending an hour or two hours exercising mm -hmm. because it's all day. It's from when you wake up yeah. to when you go to we bed. We have to eat, right? We have to eat. Yeah. And it's changing the patterns of, you know, I used to go to the drive-thru every day and I'd spend, this, this happened a while ago, so, <laughs> you know, I would spend like 20 to 40 bucks in the drive-thru, which is a ton of food. That's a ton. McDonald's? McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, wow. Jack in the Box, Carl's, all, all those were my homies. You know, like, <laughs> the, he's like, he's like a family. Are you are you feeding the family, sir? Yeah, yeah. the family's right here. It was just me. Oh man, fat burger. Wow, twenty five bucks. It was like and every day, every day. And I would just get you know there was back. I don't think I, I don't know fast food that much anymore. But the dollar menu back then, you'd get like a legit double cheeseburger for a dollar. And I would get like ten. Wow. It was like just and all the will you eat it all in one setting? Most of the time, throughout the day. Most of the time, I would wow. sit and eat, you know. Wow. And I would do it once or twice a day. And so the amount, now that I know about food, uh, it blows my mind how much I ate. <laughs> so, you know, 10,000 calories a day, probably. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was just really, it was like a 180 degree shift in the way I treated food, how I looked at food, how I used food. It was like, I started eating things that made me feel better long-term, mm. not just for that short satisfaction. Repeat that again. You know, I, it was eating things that made me feel better long-term. Long-term. And, and not the short satisfaction that, because I was so used to that short satisfaction. Yeah. I mean. The short fix, man. Exactly. You drink alcohol, you think you're it's good, and then the next day, how do you feel? Feel terrible, and you're still with the same problems. Exactly, it doesn't doesn't fix anything. You know, it makes it worse usually. So, I lost a total from like my heaviest recorded weight, which was 421 pounds. I know everyone's like, oh, it's not 420, 421. <laughs> it was, I saw it, you know, on a sheet of paper uh, from the doctor's office. Yeah, because also remember back then, especially scales didn't go that high. You had to go on like a special scale oh, to shit, weigh over 400 pounds. Wow. Now most doctor's offices have it yeah. in there, which is also kind of an issue. If you think, you know. That, I heard a lot of people, not, not just sidetrack, yeah. but I've heard a lot of people have been complaining that when they go to the doctor, that's the first thing they do, right? They, they check your height and your weight. Right. Some people are like, I don't want to tell, I don't want to step on that scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like. It's crazy to me, but I don't know if it's because it's fat shaming or is because because the doctors do that for a reason, right? Right. right. They want to make they want to make sure that you're good, right? I mean, right. they do that for a reason, right? And I think it it's important for you know if they're prescribing you medication, they need to know your weight because a lot of medications go by you know mm -hmm. you need a certain dosage per weight, and they also kind of get a better picture of what's going on with you, right? When they see your height, your weight, your vital signs, they need to see your blood pressure. But I, I have heard a lot of people that will like turn the other way so they don't see the scale and they tell the doctor and the you know practitioners, don't tell me what it says, just put it down or they refuse to even do it. And I think, you know, I understand because when I was heavy, yeah, I wouldn't really go to the doctor because anytime you walk into the doctor when you're 400 plus pounds, Anything that's wrong with you, they're like, hey, you got to lose weight. It's an unfortunate reality of being 
heavy. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people do dread. But you're going, but the, the, okay, so now you're going to the gym, you're doing that stuff, mm -hmm. you get a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Was there any time where you're like embarrassed because you see this stuff and you can't even bench this and mm -hmm. like, you're like, I want to quit. I don't want to do this. The bigger part was like, I need to do this. You know, it's like life or death. And I need to see what I can accomplish. So, and even, you know, like, we go to Gold's, right? There's people lifting yeah. incredible amounts of weight. And I'm like, damn, that's awesome. Like, good for them, you know? Like, this is the Mecca. Right. Mecca, it, right. Gold's Gym, bodybuilding yeah. Mecca. So, this is where the best top of the world bodybuilders go work out. So, yeah, yeah. And so, as opposed to looking at them and going, like, shit, I'm never going to get to that level, I'm like, hey, they got there. That's awesome. Like, maybe I can get close. Maybe I can push a little bit closer to where. You know, I see some guy benching 200 pound dumbbells. I'm like, damn, that is impressive. Like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try yeah. to move in that direction. Yeah, that, that's, see, that's another thing too is how do you, I mean, you're, you're a trainer now, right? You yeah. Train? Yeah. So how, how do you have somebody that, that comes to you or maybe they don't come to you? Like, how do you motivate them and how do you keep them? engaged because you do have personal experience mm -hmm. well, how do you keep them engaged because you know they have to be ready but what's like some tactics that you do with them i mean i really try to meet people with where they're at and i've realized i've been doing this now for geez 11 years um no two people are the same and you can't treat everyone the same exact way and expect to get the same results so you got to see where someone is see how they respond and adjust. Some people want you to kick their ass, right? Some people, that's not even a thing. And I found that I kind of vibe more with the people who need someone who understands them, who's not just gonna yell at them, like, come on, you should do more. Like, instead of doing it that way, I'll kind of show them, like, you're capable of more. What you did with me, perfectly right. fine. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like you, you and it was our first time training. You don't know anything about me on the training aspect. Right. But you were able to just see that. Right. And I think that becomes kind of like a, a something that I can kind of in tune with other people and see where they are. And, okay, like, I see where you are. I see what you're doing. And I see that you're pushing. But I think we can get a little bit more. And sometimes we can get a lot more. Sometimes we can't. But you got to try. Mm-hmm. And I think that just kind of, I mean, it kind of, it's funny because it's the same way I kind of just approach life is like treat people the way you want to be treated. If someone's training me, I don't want them to just either like treat, you know, be a robot. Okay, do this, 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 that's it. Okay, you did it, cool. Like I want them to be invested and I want them to, to care. So when I train someone, I care and that's, like I could, I don't care what weight they're doing. I don't care whether you know what level they're at. I just care that they want to improve and feel better. I mean, and and I think that's why I love doing this. Is like I've worked with people from let's see, fourteen years old to like eighty-seven, and every single type of person you can imagine, mm -hmm. every skill level, and. I learned something from each person. What got you to that path? 
to be a personal trainer? Yeah, um, well, I used to be a real estate agent, and when I was unhealthy, it was actually a perfect job for me. Really, how come? Because you'd sit in the office, <laughs> you'd sit on the phone, you'd sit on the computer, you'd sit in the car. Don't you have to sell houses? It was commercial properties. Oh, so okay. That, so actually, sometimes okay. there was a problem when I had to go walk a big property <laughs> or measure with the little stick roller thing, um, and it was embarrassing. And so I stayed in the office a lot. But you know, you take people to lunch, you take people to dinner, you drink, you entertain. And at that time it was great. Yeah. But once I started this whole journey, I realized that because of how good I felt with like changing my life and having like a new chance, that I want to share that with other people. So I went and I went back to school, I studied nutrition, I got certified as a personal trainer. And then I could not get a job for the life of me because I would go into a gym and I'd say, here's my story. I lost over 200 pounds. I did it with diet and exercise. I've learned about how it works, why it works, how to deal with people. And they'd go, yeah, but you're not ripped. You don't have a six pack. Who's going to trust you? Ooh. Who's going to believe you? How can you be good at this? And I heard that a lot. Wow. I mean, it's LA. I get it. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to just find my own people. You know, the people who need me, who I resonate with, those are the people that I'm going to seek out. And I did. And eventually I found a small personal training studio in Santa Monica that saw what I was about and hired me because they realized that I could help people. I, I had excess skin from losing so much weight. So I wasn't like, you know, six pack beach dude, but I knew how to get people where they want to go. So I think I'm really, you know, thankful that they took that chance on me. And eventually I did the surgery for the skin. But um, yeah, I just, I felt such a calling to help other people. I didn't know you can do surgery by the way. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually a thing. Yeah, so the skin, it was wild. Uh, because there's some people out there that really don't know that. Yeah. That yeah. they're like, wait, I can get rid of the skin. Well, and the, the other thing is that like, especially back, like, so I've been doing this for a while, right? Like when I did it, like now if you look up excess skin from weight loss, and you put it in YouTube, people will do 360 degree filming themselves without a shirt, showing all, the, you know, how it moves, how like, none of that was out there when I went through this it was still new. And so I'd never, and I'd never like seen some other dude who looked like me with the skin and the, the sagging and with the muscle. And so it was all like uncharted territory. So it was kind of scary. And I remember I was like embarrassed to even tell my clients at one point, Hey, I'm going to be out for a little while because I'm having this surgery. And you know, I remember when I told some of them, they were like, you have excess skin? What? You didn't know. Because I would get good at hiding it. And, um, yeah, the surgery was... My doctor just put up a reel on Instagram that went crazy. Uh, and the, the intro is just, like, my skin just out there, like, boom. And then it shows me after the surgery and, like, getting in shape. And it's drastic. 
So, you know, the surgery is, it's life-changing. It was for me. Um, but also, it's not necessary. It's just cosmetic. Okay. It's not like you have to do it. So sometimes people tell me they're afraid if they're really heavy to lose the weight because they're afraid of the surgery. And I'm like, look, the surgery is literally, like, you could hide all that. You don't have to do it. The having that weight is dangerous. That's what you should be concerned about. You can deal with the other stuff later. Yeah. You know? They just tackle that thing first. Yeah. So you do the training, you did it for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I want to drop this big thing that I, you know, Tori shared with me. Yeah. And maybe you have it on your Instagram, but yeah. You had cancer. Yeah. <laughs> like your mom passes away at 14, mm -hmm. you said. Right. And then you have this mental breakdown, mm -hmm. the car crash, mm -hmm. you change your life, diet, lose weight, become a trainer. Yeah. When did cancer happen? After all of that, right, and I'm like, I'm healthy, I'm doing the right things and everything, I went to a doctor for a physical in 2016, a new doctor. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been to a doctor in a while, and she felt something in my neck. You haven't been to a doctor for a while. Well, how come? I mean, at that, I just hadn't been to like a general practitioner. Gotcha. Because I was healthy, you know. I'd, and I'd, you yeah, thought. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. my blood work was yeah. always good, when, you know, cholesterol, all the stuff that used to be all messed up was finally good. And I remember, I'm like, I should just go and get a physical. Mm -hmm. I have insurance. Physical. Yeah. So I went to this new doctor for a physical, and she felt something. And she's like, you know, it could be that you swallow weird, or there could be like a little something in there. You know, we should check it out. I'm like, okay, doc, like you're the expert. I don't know. So they do an ultrasound, and the ultrasound shows like a little something in there. And they go, okay, there's something there. Like we should do a biopsy. We should see what it is. I'm like, oh, great, here we go, you know. So the biopsy, if anyone's ever had one, uh, you'll feel me on this. I mean, in the neck, you're awake, and they're just freaking needle into your neck to, you know, take out a little piece and go test it. So it turns out that it was cancer in the thyroid gland, which I had no idea. And so I was, I think I... 2016, I was like 30, mm -hmm. and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I have cancer? For, from what? Mm. What, you know? And I asked the doctors, I said, is it from my lifestyle before, from being heavier? And they're like, honestly, Jordan, there's no way to tell you. You know, mm. it is what it is. You have it. We can treat it. We can remove it. They offered me two options. They said we could either schedule you a surgery to take it out, and if it's spread to anywhere else, we can see then and we can take it out from there too or we can just leave it in and we can monitor it and if it grows past a certain point then we'll take it out and i'm like i'm young and i want to live a long time yeah i'm pretty sure it's gonna grow let's just take it out so october 19th 2016 i had the surgery I got a little scar. They went in, they took it out. It hadn't spread anywhere. And knock on wood, uh, I just got checked this summer, cancer free. Wow. No, you know, lasting impact. I do have to take medication for the rest of my life because they took out half of the thyroid gland. Yeah. Um, I think it messed with my voice a little too, but other than those things, 
I feel like I kind of dodged a bullet, you know? Another I, one. Yeah, I mean, if I wouldn't have gone to that one doctor, who knows? It could have grown, it could have spread, I could have... The other thing that was interesting is they told me, like, some people have this type of cancer their whole lives, and then they die from something unrelated, and then when they do an autopsy, the you know, it's shown that they have it. Wow. So they were like, it's not, it's not usually what does anything bad to you, but it could. So I was like, yeah, if it could, just how do you, take it. How do you stay so positive all this? I mean, I, I know you now. Yeah. You're a very positive person. I mean, I'm, I'm from the like meeting you, I can just tell like you're very sociable, likable, very positive. Likewise. Appreciate it. Uh, how how do you stay positive when you hear some news like that? I mean, it's. I'm sorry, you make it seem yeah. so effortless, but it's like <laughs> no, that's it's, that's it's, some tough fucking news, man. It was it was really you know the first week. I remember I ate a bunch of California burritos oh, to try to, there you to, go, try to the, cope with yeah, it. You know, there you I was go. like. I was like, I found myself going, I'm like, Fuck. yeah, I'm like, what the, like, I'm like, I worked so hard to be healthy for years from 2008 to 2016, eight years of, of just reinventing my whole self and now I have cancer. What the fuck? Why? You know, why me? That was like the main. So I remember I spent about a week eating and just feeling sorry for myself and and I'm like, uh, you know what? This is not going to help me. This is this is going to make whatever is going on in here win. You know what I mean? Like, I can't let this win. Like, I've been through too much shit to allow something that I didn't even know about to to then knock me off course. So after that week, I actually remember I uh, hired a coach from Golds, and I said, I have this surgery coming up. Let's get me in the best shape possible. So when I show up, I'm like, you know, my heart rate is, my resting heart rate is good. I'm like as low body fat that I can be, but healthy. And like, I want to just recover like a champion. I want to come in here like just not feeling bad and sorry for myself and like shit. But So how do you stay so positive? Because <laughs> it's hard to be positive. Yeah. You're, yeah. You know, it's so easy to be negative. Yeah. Like, how do you stay positive? Like, that's that's like like you yeah. that mindset of of don't like you know. And let's just go back to that for people that you know for people that to understand is that mm. it's okay to you know feel sorry for yourself for a little bit. It's mm. okay. That's totally normal. You're gonna have good days. You're gonna have bad days. Totally. You're gonna fall off. That's mm. okay. Right. But. The thing is, how do you get out of it is the thing. You know, you have to learn how to get out of that. Totally. And you have to, like what you did, you you got out of it and then you asked for help. And you're like, I need a trainer. Right. And that's another thing too is people don't like to ask for help. Because totally. they think if I ask for help, people are going to think that, you know, I'm this and that and this and that. Right. And like, how do you get out of that mindset? I think you have to kind of accept that you need help even if you don't want it right you have to accept that sometimes we can't do everything alone even if we want to even if we want to be like no i did it all and and for me it was also hard because like losing all the weight up until i joined the gym and had a trainer i did it i want to say alone but when i'm thinking like i had my dog my dog was my trainer my dog was my accountability 
you always have to have something. You can also be accountable to yourself. That's a big one as well. But I feel like having a third party of some, I mean, literally, mine was a dog. Yeah. Like, you have to have someone in your corner that that way you know that it's not just you. And that way you know, and even if it is just you, like, you're like, okay, I got this. When, you know, with the cancer thing, like, my whole family was, like, around me and everyone was supporting me. But at the end of the day, like, I'm the one who's putting the food on my plate and getting my ass in the gym and showing up to the doctor's appointments and doing, you know, you got to do it for you. So I think that it just kind of, you become reliant on that feeling of accomplishing what you set out to accomplish. And it's not every day, right? It ebbs and flows. There's good days, there's bad days, there's good weeks, months, years. Sometimes there's a bad year where it's just like, shit, you know, it happens. I gained like 30 pounds during COVID and this is my job. Mm. Everyone did that I know, you know? <laughs> so it's like, and those who didn't, did. mazel tov, to, you know? Like, <laughs> but, you know, it, it goes in waves. I think, you know, for me, like staying positive, every day I wake up, I try to just think about like, what am I thankful for? And the first thing is that I woke up. Like you said, it's not promised. I'm up, I'm alive, I'm breathing. Okay, that's that's the start, that's the baseline. Then you can start to layer in. Okay, you have a family, you have people who you love, you have people you care about, you have purpose. I got dogs who are amazing, you got a dog, you know, you got others that depend on you, yeah. who love you. And then even if all the other shit is crazy, and things aren't going your way, you've at least started your day with that, like counting all these blessings and going like, okay, then the other shit might outweigh them at some points, but those are still there. And those are still something to hold on to and to think, you know, how great is that? It's great, man. It was great having you on the podcast. Thank I really you. appreciate you sharing your story and um, um, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you.